This is the Global Service Associates Podcast, and I'm your host, Andy McCullough. Mark Milbrick. And um, Mark, why don't you give everyone a little bit of intro and who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Mark Milbrick, and uh, my wife of 30 years, Samantha, the homish Washington. Uh, it's just about 20 miles uh, north and a little bit east of Seattle. And mm -hmm. we have three grown children. Uh, our son Jordan is 22 and he's uh, within weeks of graduating from Seattle Pacific University and with a degree in philosophy but also in uh, computer science. Our, our other uh, son TJ, uh, he's 19 and he's in the construction trades just finishing high school and and uh, also uh, working in construction uh, training etc. So oh. and then our daughter Eliana is just turned 18. And she is finishing high school this year and also um, getting her uh, running start, uh, hopefully her AA at uh, local community college as well. So I think she's be going into nursing as she starts up at Seattle Pacific University in the, in the fall. So we have a son graduating from there and a daughter that's just starting out uh, coming up in the fall. So but Mark, Mark, you and Sam also have other kids. Oh, we do? Kids. Kids, <laughs> yeah. right? Don't you call them kids? Yes. Yes. We uh, we have a small hobby farm. Uh, <laughs> have some chickens, a uh, little less than an acre, so it's not very well, I was thinking the goat kids. You're going into yeah. the other animals. I didn't even know you had. Uh, yeah, I knew you had chickens. I forgot. Okay. Yeah. Working goats. But yeah, a <laughs> um, couple of dogs and a, and a cat. And then, yes, we have, uh, we have a number of goats. They're Nigerian dwarf goats. So they're a smaller scale, um, easier to have on a smaller uh, hobby farm. Um, but the kids were all in 4-H and, and we've done a lot of uh, showing of these goats and selling the, the babies and all that. So it's, it's been, it's been good. It's been a lot of fun and we enjoy that. So we're heading into kidding season. We should potentially have, I think, 20 to 30 babies on the ground here in a couple oh months. Oh my gosh. So, and you sell all those? One big nursery. Yes. Yes, we will. We'll, we might keep, you know, one or two, but we try not to do that because kind of like Doritos, right? You can't just have one, but yeah. you, you, uh, you need to limit your numbers. I know we do. So it's always a hard call though, because you fall in love with these little critters. They're mm -hmm. super, super cool and personable and, very cute. Yeah. Well, good. Well, so know a little bit about y'all. And you've been married 30 years? I know. I know. Would you marry Sam when she was in high school? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. It was a arranged marriage. You know, we were children, but. Well, she <laughs> <No>. was. <laughs> Not really. She's four years younger than me. So. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, wow. 30 years. It's a benchmark. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then 
tell me a little bit, you, you got your hands in a lot of different ministry. I mean, you, <clears throat> you do campus work. I know with international students, you also, do you work for your church? I know you preach some, are you considered on their staff team or? I, I'm not, uh, I, I, I do preach. I'm on a preaching team with them. Oh, you're on the preaching team. Yeah. About six of us, I think now. So, um, and then, I, and then the big thing you do though, and maybe we'll, we'll spend more time on that is I know you're doing some work in Africa. So maybe you could explain that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, work with you, you mentioned that, uh, international students, um, my okay. wife and I staff with crew for, I want to say close to 15 years, um, working with college students. And I think that's just always been a, you know, a passion of ours is to work with young people, um, mm -hmm. in that state of life. And, and so, yeah, so we're, we're still partnering with crew through their, um, international student ministry called bridges international. And mm -hmm. so I work at a local community college and, and, uh, and help, help with that ministry there. Um, also do some, some life coaching and some ministry coaching with some local pastors in the area. Okay. Um, so those kinds of things have, have kept me pretty busy. Um, here, particularly uh, because, like you said, I I do uh, a lot of work in Africa, but with the pandemic the last couple of years, it's really you know cut down on our travels and yeah. the uh, to actually go there and and you know physically and 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 do the training. So that work has turned more into coaching um, those local leaders, you know, that we have relationship with um, who are doing doing the work of the ministry and trusting that you know this year we're gonna gonna be able to make some more trips you know over over to africa working primarily in in east africa um okay. rwanda uganda kenya um those are the the three main countries that that we have a, a presence in and and are doing work in um but really you know what it comes down to is um we do a, a week-long training okay. uh, five days and it's called entrepreneurial leadership development. <laughs> it's a long, long <laughs> title there. Um, it trans how's that translate into Swahili? How would you say? Oh. <laughs> I'm joking. You don't have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what that is in Swahili. Um, <laughs> but but really our our you know our goal or our mission statement, you could say, would be to inspire and empower individuals and communities to pursue their passions by acting on their ideas and to help them find solutions to, um, to the presenting problems that, that they identify. Right. Mm -hmm. So we don't come over there with, a you know, whole agenda, you know, based on what we think you need or, or how, or however we've potentially done, um, this kind of development work in the past. Um, we, we really come with, with a lot of questions mm -hmm. and, you know, hopefully some, some inspiration, you know, helping them to discover even from day one, you know, how God has uniquely gifted them, how he's uniquely created them. Um, like I said, to, uh, to begin to dream about what it is that their community needs, but how can they, um, you know, through some, some training, some small business training, some, some community development training, how can they begin to see themselves as a solution to some of the presenting problems that they have and, you know, to trust God that, that he has uniquely planted them, you know, in their, 
um, particular place for such a time as this, right? So it's really coming alongside them, exhorting them, cheer, you know, cheer, being their biggest cheerleader, you know, helping them see that, that they really can do um, so much in, in their own community and that, you know, God's a big God and all that. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's in a nutshell, you know, that's, that's where we start. And then we, we get very practical as well. You know, we help them think like an entrepreneur. We help them to start, um, a small business, you know, think through all those, those steps, budgets and funding and, you know, how they're going to get funding. That's a, that's a big one. Okay. Cause we don't come with money. We don't come, um, we we don't give them the expectation at the very beginning that we're here to fund you know their their dream or their project but we help them um you know find local solutions if we can or just start very very small and i can get in a little a little bit more of that later but we also have a a teaching piece on social social entrepreneurship uh it's the csr the corporate social responsibility that a lot of companies big companies you and i could name um, they give back, right? They give back right. to the communities. And so, you know, even the poorest of the poor have something, right? That they can mm -hmm. give back, particularly mm -hmm. and, uh, to be more successful um, and to be able to provide for their, their own needs. Um, they have something that they can give back. And I think that helps people grow in, in um, you know, their sense of dignity, right? When they have something that they can contribute, they're not just always receiving a handout from someone else, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just, it just makes, makes all the difference. And then, you know, what do you do with all of this? And so we talk through character and ethical leadership and those things mm -hmm. that can be so, you know, absent, I think, um, from, from some corporations that are all about the bottom line, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then the fun thing we do, uh, Andy, at the very end, the very last day, is we have, um, if you're familiar with Shark Tank, have you seen that? Uh, maybe a few episodes. And I, I don't actually watch much broadcast television. So I will yeah. stream. But I, I do know what it is. It's that guy who owns the Dallas Mavericks, right? I can't think of his name. Well, there's there's a, a group of them. They're they're entrepreneurs. They're, they're um, investors, right? And uh -huh. they're called sharks, right? So um, people are, are screened right with their ideas but um every show you know several people uh will go into the sharks and they will present their ideas and they will try yeah. to get sharks right so that they can either start their their business idea or they can you know improve it make it make it bigger uh scale they, it they so, kind of pitch it to them and then they choose the one they want to invest in is that how it is well, they, they can choose more than one. They just, oh, okay. They choose, more but they okay. decide whether or not, you know, this it's idea is right. Yeah. So, yeah. and because they've interviewed hundreds of people, they, they kind of know what they're looking for. Right. And they want something out of this relationship. Right. But they also bring their skills and, and, um, you know, their, their, uh, abilities as well. Um, in Africa though, and this is, I think maybe important to, to share, um, Andy, we, we do not the shark tank. We, we do what's called the lion's den, which is interesting. <laughs> it's the same exact show, but it's contextualized, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so all the, you know, all the lions, if you will, are African, right? And they, they've all, um, they all come from, from, uh, from that context and that background. So, um, so that's what we do. We do the lion's den over there. And, 
Um, and they love it. They love it because throughout the entire week, Andy, we've put everybody in a team, right? So everyone's in a group. Um, uh-huh. Groups range from maybe four to six people. That's about ideal. Uh-huh. Um, and the training is very interactive. So there's challenges that they have to, you know, come up with and, and figure out. There's games that, you know, that help them think as a team. Um, they have to uh, create a business plan, you know, uh-huh. with all the, the, the kinds of things that they need to, to start and sustain that business. And when they, at the very end of the week, they actually, I mean, these people, they go all out, they dress up, they, they bring in props, you know, that, mm-hmm. that support whatever mm-hmm. their, their small business is. They, mm-hmm. um, and they present, they present everyone on the team, um, presents, you know, their idea and they pitch it to, you know, the, the lions, which, you know, are just a, a few of us from, from the, team. um, again, we don't promise, you know, any money. This is kind of a mock, um, a mock setup. Right. But, but it gives them an idea of, Hey, when you guys, you know, get out in the real world, which hopefully will happen in the next week or two, you can take, you know, these ideas and you can pitch them to an NGO or you can pitch them to a, you know, to some, you know, funding Investor. network. Yeah. That, that, and trust me, they're way ahead of the ball game because we, we ask them the hard questions. We get them to revisit their business plan and to change things. If the numbers don't work out, you know, people spot that right away. And they're like, this is not even feasible. You know, you need yeah. to change things yeah. You go back and, and rethink this. So it's challenging. It's super challenging for them. But so many of them, um, Andy have, you know, within the last five years that I've been doing this have stories to tell and they've started businesses and they've started to help their community in so many different ways and helped other people start businesses too. And, and begin to do the training that we've done. And that's, I guess, maybe full circle, I haven't been able to travel the last couple of years like I would have liked, but as I'm coaching, um, you know, with some of my teammates here from the States, as we're coaching uh, some of our local leaders, they're telling us the stories about how they're doing the training that we gave them two years ago. And they're, wow, that's really cool, Mark. They're seeing results and, you know, yeah. and they're seeing people start small businesses and, um, and we're just in awe, you know, but it, it just, it's so exciting that we don't have to physically be on the ground there, you know, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. to sustain um, what this, what this training has provided for them. That's yeah. Cool. So um, I, you know, I'm listening to, this is amazing. And I think we can even, there's a few, there's a lot of things I wrote down at, but questions later on, if we have time to dive in deeper on some things, but I actually want to ask, kind of how, how you ended up on this path. I mean, you mentioned how you and Sam work for crew among campus ministry. And um, I know you have your own goat farm, which is a business, but like, how did you end up in this realm and kind of even, even thinking about Africa, but also thinking about uh, this entrepreneurial pattern and, and what you're doing, or, or maybe even what's the, the core of it, you know, uh, biblically that this kind of inspired you. In yeah. Um, yeah. So, so maybe just a little bit about the journey. Um, as I mentioned, you know, Sam, my wife and I were on crew staff for 15 years and you know, we worked um, mm-hmm. catalytically with students 
Um, okay, not maybe not everyone's a career background, so or even campus ministry. Yeah. So what what does catalytic mean? Maybe. Yeah. No, that's that is that is a great question. Um. So so really, the campus ministry um had had basically two ways of of doing ministry to college students. One was uh, a staffed campus model where people were you know were the professionals, right? Like the paid right. professional staff that would go onto campuses and they would be leading the Bible studies and they would, they'd be, you know, coaching the student leaders and, and really um, directing the ministry on, you know, on a particular campus. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what Sam and I uh, found uh, not too many years into our uh, campus ministry, we were at the university of Washington where we actually met as students, mm-hmm. but then Sam, uh, was kind of redirected to, uh, and this is to answer your question, to a catalytic model, which is another model of reaching students on campuses that, that we just can't get to, Andy. Um, there was right. 35 campuses just in the Seattle metro area. How many? Campuses. 35? Yeah. Wow. And, and you know, we were only on, on the state schools in, in mm-hmm. Washington, right? University of Washington and Washington State, you know, mm-hmm. on a few other campuses but what about all those other campuses right because that was sort of the mantra that 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 we were um following is you know reach every student on every campus and so the only way to do that we discovered uh was through this catalytic model where we were just simply that andy we were catalysts oh okay that's we would go onto a college campus we would pray and we would go onto a college campus and we would just start poking around start asking students you know if if they'd be interested in starting a ministry on their campus and we were willing to resource them. We were willing to, you know, to do everything in our power to help them be successful, but we could not be on their campus on a regular basis. Like we could, if we were just on a staff campus. Right. So. Yeah. Cause there's too many, you couldn't be at all those. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, I bought off bit off way more than I could choose. So I'm, I'm going up to Alaska and to Eastern Idaho. <laughs> Anna and it's like it just about killed me honestly um <laughs> but 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 to transition from there Andy um God led us to to admit so first he he led me off led us off staff and actually um got my master's of divinity from the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology in mm-hmm. Seattle mm-hmm. that was a four-year um journey where okay. God did just in my own um my own personal um transformation i guess and 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 uh spiritual direction and and calling and everything god just god just turned my world upside down and and then of course in the midst of all that uh we met a couple through a church that we were you know part of their missions um you know the people that they supported so that church had obviously multiple missions and so missionaries and so we would we met at a couple of these you know missions um weeks you know that the uh-huh. church went yeah and we're come back to the church and we met this couple and, and they didn't live too far from us and they were doing all this uh, amazing development work in africa and they were mm-hmm. they were doing you know n- not only proclamation ministry but also demonstration ministry like jesus you know he he not only preached the gospel but he also healed right, right. um there's there's sort of a a two twofold um methodology 
you know, a, a more holistic way, I guess, yeah. of, of ministering in the world than, than quite frankly, we were familiar with because, you know, we were so proclamation oriented through, through crew. And, and I don't mm-hmm. say that you know, as a, as a diss, that's obviously that's critical. People need to, to come to know Jesus and obviously proclamation plays a huge part in that. But there was also this other piece, you know, the, you know, the, the other scriptures, right. That talk about um, how we can enter uh, a community or even someone's life and, and help them, help them grow and, and, uh, and, you know, be, be more transformative than, than just the, you know, the salvation piece. Right. Um, and, and I think through, through knowing them and, and, and we actually uh, got on, on board with that ministry for four years, we, we were with uh, a ministry called breakthrough partners. And so okay. that's really where my work in Africa started. Um, and and the what, what, what year is that Mark? Just the, kind of when you... uh, I want to say 2012. Oh, so about 10 years ago. Yeah. You, you started doing this. Okay. Yeah. So for, for about three and a half, four years of that, and then been with GSA, I think the last um, six or seven. Okay. So, in a nutshell, I should say, Andy, that began to open my eyes to this need um, for holistic restoration, right, of us as human beings and even, you know, with creation itself. And what does that look like? Um, I'll, I'll give you uh, another quick story about kind of how this, this whole personal journey um, started. I was actually, this is before. Uh, we were working with breakthrough partners and doing community development in Africa. I was with still with crew and uh-huh. we were actually transitioning off staff. We did uh, a stint um, in uh, Orlando where we actually came and worked for, you know, the headquarters of crew for about a year. And I was part of a conference, putting on the conference actually with the office, office of the president in Kenya. And so crew was there doing this conference. It's, this is in 2006, Andy. Okay. And we're, we're in Kenya. There's like 38. Were uh, you in Na- Nairobi or where, where were you? No, we were outside. We were in Narok, which is about 40 minutes outside of Nairobi. Okay. Uh, but there was 38 countries represented there. There was 2,500 people. Wow. Early Africans. Um, I actually brought my six-year-old son with me. That was crazy, but um, <laughs> but it was amazing too um, to to bring him to experience you know some of this as well. Um, but but we had a time of prayer. We had m- many times of prayer during this conference. But one time in particular, Andy, we're praying. Some people are standing. Some people are sitting. Some people are on their knees. Um, people are are you know praying out loud. They're praying in their own you know, their own tongue. And, mm-hmm. um, but through all this, a woman stood up next to me and she started pre she started praying in English mm. and she was just very passionate, very adamant. And she began to pray against a poverty of the mind, a poverty oh. of the mind. And, and I had never heard that term before, Andy, but that poverty of the mind, I, I feel like has, um, has, has been so, it has kept people so captive, so, um, so imprisoned in so many ways, right? We think uh-huh. of poverty so often as, 
you know, as a, a, a lack of resources, right? Some, some materialistic need or want, mm -hmm. but there's so much about poverty that is, is literally locked up in our minds. And it reminds me of sure. Romans 12 too, where it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And it, it just, it began to, you know, this, it kind of began me on this journey where I started to look at other scriptures and I started to see them differently. Mm -hmm. um, the, the pool, and again, this is a bit more of the theology of, of kind of why we do what we do. Um, in John 5, 6, you're probably familiar with Jesus when he meets the, the man at the pool of Bethesda, the paralytic. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that story? But you know what's so interesting, and, and this this is so kind of you know to the depths of 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 what motivates me to you know to do this work, Andy. Um, Jesus asks him a question. Right mm -hmm. here's a man who's been a paralytic. He's been waiting for thirty eight years. Um, he's just, you know, he's lying there by the edge of the pool. He's been in this condition for a long time is my point. Right. Yeah. Um, but Jesus asked him this, I think one of the most profound questions, and that is this, do you want to get well? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to get well? And I mean, you could say, Jesus, that's so insensitive of you. Of course he wants. Well, <laughs> Are you kidding? right. Yeah. But really, I think what Jesus is getting at there is, does he still believe that he can be healed does he still have a desire in his heart you know to to do what it takes to be healed and yeah. i think that's so so important um you know the people that we work with do they really want things to change do they really want mm -hmm. you know to be a catalyst for their mm -hmm. own community do they really believe you know that god can do something right in their lives and mm -hmm. that's that's the beginning of growth isn't it that's the beginning of um you know of empowerment is believing you know maybe maybe i i can do something right maybe right um so when i meet people particularly in the context that i work in in africa you know i i'm looking for some some desire on their part not not just to see what they can get out of the american in a sense but you mm -hmm. know are they willing to grow are they willing to look for solutions you know from within their own body their own mind their own community right are they committed to to the hard work that it's going to take you know to to um to change in a sense yeah you know mark you didn't you didn't use this term sorry if i cut you off but i and i think you know this term uh, asset-based development are you familiar yeah. with it absolutely because you were explaining it that way. And I think, I think it's the idea that they have the assets, not you're the, and the Swahili word, and it's been a long time since I've been to Kenya, but I think Wazungu, is that right? It's kind of white man. Yeah. Kind of yeah. coming in and, and I mean, holy cow, the, I mean, you can go back to the, the whole history of, of what we've done in Africa and yeah. colonialism and then just yeah. our dead aid of, of like we even we've created dependency yes and an yes. expectation that these the money's coming from this this white american savior yes and it doesn't have to be white but i think typically you typically. you think of 
the a lot of white faces going into Africa. Yeah. And and then but asset base is saying, no, you you have it. And what do you, what do you have to offer? What gifting do you have? What resource yeah. do you have? I love the fact I I'm almost shocked, but I, I love the fact that you you're not saying, okay, now we're going to fund it, right? <laughs> which is, I'm kind of like, are you setting these people up with false hope of just, yeah. <laughs> but, but you're, no. you're kind of helping them to find the resources. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. And we're, we're very intentional about that, Andy. Um, because again, just, you know, my, my nationality, my face, my very face betrays me. Right. Um, and, and so when I'm there, you know, and, and please, please, please uh, don't misunderstand me. We, we actually have raised money for small, you know, for small business loans. Right. Between five, 500 and a thousand typically, but, but that money, um, you should know this. <laughs> that money, PSA, you know, to another entity within the African context, the the leaders that we work with, the organizations that we work with, so that you know they can take that money and they they do the vetting. You know, they they hear huh. the proposal, they read the proposals, they talk with the people, they they vet them even through their friends, right? Just to to. Um, check out their character and and their their um, ethical you know uh-huh. whatever their their morality right um, because we there's no way in one week we're going to get to know these well enough to be make sound decisions regarding exactly yeah and so we our white face is never one that they see giving them money it never happens so they they will that's receive beautiful but it's through, <laughs> through a local organization right that's yeah. vetting personally. And yeah, but I love what you said there, Andy. Sorry. Um, if it's okay, no, we keep talking over each other and, but it's, it's good. I think we're on the same track. Sorry. But I'm going to read if it's okay. I'm just going to read Isaiah 61. Oh yeah. Go ahead. And I'm going to read the first, just the first four verses if that's okay. Well, you just set up, you know, going back to what you said of a holistic gospel, this passage of what the Messiah was called to do. I don't know if you're going to say this, but it's both proclamation and demonstration. It's both actions and what he came to speak to proclaim, right? Yes. Yes. No, you're, that's good. I mean, and, and then Jesus uses that when, you know, he's at his home church and he reads that passage it's and he he says it's today it's fulfilled it's his mission statement yeah exactly yeah he reads that you're right um i think it's in is it in luke 4 he reads yeah, that luke 4 right in in the synagogue and this is what he turns to but i'm going to read it from the isaiah um passage if that's okay um totally. he says isaiah 61 verse 1 through 4 it says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion and to give them a 
beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, <laughs> the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, for they will raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. I just read that. That's from the ESV. I think I like how the, the NIV says it a little bit better. But going back to your point, you know, Andy, that's that's how it starts out. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, right? Yeah. And but then he also goes through binding up the brokenhearted, right? Setting the captives free. Yeah. Yeah. Setting the captives free. Um, and to grant, you know, to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a a, a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of yeah. joy, uh, the NIV would say, instead Gladness. of uh, yeah. Of, yeah. Instead of um instead of of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit or a spirit of heaviness yeah um, like one translation talks about a cloak yeah you know yeah there's this heavy yeah yeah cloak but it's of despair. but it's amazing because he identifies you know these people that he's working with and then he says and i love this because he says that they may be called oaks of righteousness yeah. the plant the Lord that he may be glorified or, or the NIV says for a display of his splendor. And, right. you know, and as I read this, Andy, this, if I could just have four verse, you know, that would sum up why I do what I do. It's, it is this, because as in a sense, as we're bringing good news to the poor, as we're recognizing, you know, the ways that they're, um, that they're captive, the ways that they're, um, but, you know, potentially imprisoned, right? And it can be physically, it can be spiritually, it can be emotionally. Poverty of the mind, I think, is, mm -hmm. is also described here, right? Mm -hmm. um, people that are mourning, people that are brokenhearted. But, mm -hmm. but then he says, they, they will be called. Yeah, the ones who are poor, brokenhearted, prison. The ones who are captive, the ones who are, who are um, imprisoned, they they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting yeah. of the Lord, or uh -huh. the display of his splendor. And I believe that, Andy. And, and they that's rebuild the, ru the ruins. Yeah. Yeah. They will restore and rebuild and renew. And every fiber in my body, Andy, is, is convinced, you know, through the last five years of, of going to some of these, you know, what someone might say, God forsaken places. I'm like, no, no, no. God has not forsaken here I go again. Whew. God is okay, not buddy. places and he has yeah. not forsaken these people and he has given them even the brokenhearted, even those who are captive, right. In their hearts and their minds, in their current, you know, um, social or even, um, economic situation. He has given them the ability to be called oaks of righteousness. What I, what I do, um, in, in Africa, I talk about the acacia of righteousness, right? I'm just uh, confusing this passage, right? Yeah, yeah. And the acacia is a, is a huge tree that you can find, especially out on the grasslands and the savannas. And that acacia provides shelter. It provides, you know, protection from the sun and from the elements. Mm -hmm. it, it provides an opportunity for birds to, to mm -hmm. raise their young, right, and be mm -hmm. protected. And, and I'm saying, that's you guys. You guys are mm. acacias of righteousness. 
displaying God's splendor everywhere you go, you know, as, as God transforms you. Right. That's and, beautiful. That's beautiful. And I believe that I believe that with my whole heart. And, and I believe that they will, again, they will rebuild those ancient ruins and they will repair and renew and restore those things that are broken, you know, that, that we could even identify, but I let them identify it. You know, I let them identify yeah. it to begin to, to move in the direction of, of rebuilding and restoring and renewing. And can I, can I just share just one last thing about um, this, this whole idea of systemic brokenness? Can I, yeah. can I talk about Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, because it really ties into this. Mm. Systemic brokenness, and, and again, this is just what I'm learning. Um, I, I, I love to talk about this, you know, with, with others because I, I just gain so much perspective from other people too and, um, you know, their journeys. Um, but what I've been reading and what I've been learning about, even as I go and experience um, these different communities, is that systemic brokenness, and again, this could be ideological, this could be theological, this could be um, economical, right? Economic related, mm -hmm. um, poverty, et cetera. However you want to look at that systemic brokenness, I believe can only be truly healed from the inside out. And again, that's the motivation to go to the very people, you know, that, that Isaiah is talking about and Jesus talked about in, in, in Luke four, you know, that are broken, that are downtrodden, that are, that are brokenhearted and, and are poor, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they will be the ones from the inside out who will, you know, who will bring transformation and restoration and healing to their communities. And, and I say that using this analogy, Andy, if you have a broken arm or a, or a virus, right. Mm -hmm. Or maybe a burn victim, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, we can, we can artificially enhance uh, the healing of, of an individual, especially if they've been burned, right? We have synthetic skin grafts that we can, we can, you know, put over the, the burn and, and they can begin to, to heal with that. Right. Um, a broken arm can be set with a splint. Right. Um, but if you think about it, that synthetic skin that we bring, or, you know, even a vaccine, right. Yeah. A vaccine, um, or a splint, those, those are catalysts, right? Kind of going back to where we started this whole conversation. Yeah. Those are catalysts for the body to heal itself, right? Because that's the whole idea of, of giving a vaccine is it, is it makes your body produce more antibodies, right? And, and helps the body fight off the virus itself, right? Mm -hmm. um, a broken arm begins to heal. The split helps, helps so much by setting that bone in the right place. Yeah. But unless those bones, you know, begin to heal themselves it, that arm will always be broken right mm -hmm. um and so i think it's just so important for us to realize you know as we go into these communities especially as ministers of the gospel you know we we need to see systemic brokenness for what it is and and we need to begin to to believe in the very people who are going to bring, ultimately bring that healing from the inside out, from their own communities for such a time as this, as mm -hmm. they just are a display of God's splendor. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. You know, no, no. Yeah. Go ahead. Did I cut you off again? I'm sorry. I, no, I was just going to, just to finish this thought, um, you know, the, but, but keep in mind, there are, there are also catastrophic events, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, that require immediate assistance, right? They, you know, we need to bring gallons of clean water right now to a particular community. We need to bring mountains of food. We need to bring, right? This is for yeah. catastrophic, you know, events that happen. Um, but here's here's where I I might um, I might uh, think through that a little bit a little bit uh, more intently, and that is. If we're still bringing water, Andy, if we're still bringing water mm-hmm. and people are still lining up for it to receive it from us years later, then I think something's desperately wrong. Right. 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 Because we haven't, we haven't helped equip them and empower them and, and help them to find solutions to some of these, some of these, you know, basic issues they have. Right. So there, there's so many things that you were saying that I was trying to really track with and sum up. So one, I really like that you shared Isaiah 61, because I think, you know, I noticed how often you used, you gravitated toward the they and what they'll do. There's what we do. Yeah. But it goes back to your work on campuses, your, your work in being a catalyst. Right. To, right. to, to not be the one to do everything, but you're, you're empowering them and you're giving them, um, you're, you're giving hope and giving them, you know, encouragement. You can do this. You, you have what it takes Mm. in the training that you give through, through these times, even if it's just a short time. Yeah. in the follow-up and the coaching, but you're, you're bringing a holistic view of the gospel to these communities and empowering them. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I didn't even really say like what, what you touched on a little bit. What are some of the entrepreneurial businesses that have been launched kind of in the years you've been doing this just, real quickly some of the things like what what can yeah. i mean imagine you mentioned farming and things like that are people raising animals or they or they yeah that yeah um i mean so so much of it has been agrarian based right because we're in in a lot of we we go to a lot of rural communities yeah. why because that's where we you know we found um you know a lot of people uh who are just subsistence living and and um mm. a lot of you know really um, ob- abject poverty, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but, but again, even in the city, like we've had people start hair salons, you know? Yeah. Everybody needs a haircut, right? Everybody I mean, needs a haircut. Everybody point, needs to eat. So when you're raising chickens, that's, that's yeah. not just helps you, but it helps the community. Right. Um, you know, so, so people have started egg, egg businesses, egg, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, selling eggs, selling chickens, you know, as fryers, right. Young chickens, um, and, uh, you know, selling products in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's been so amazing too. Um, because again, we're trying to break this mentality that you need a lot of money to start something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and one way that we've seen, I'll just give you one example, one way where we've seen this work in a really beautiful way is is uh, savings and credit cooperatives, and we we kind of uh, talk about how how to start those in the training. Um, mm-hmm. 
but these savings and credit cooperatives, Andy, could just be, you know, 10, 10 people from the community coming together. And, you know, they, they might all have uh, vegetables that they sell in the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, but with the savings and, and credit cooperative, Andy, it might start simple, like, like one group, they were selling their vegetables at the market uh, on the ground because they didn't have a table. They didn't have anything to even put yeah. it on. Right? Yeah. So, well, what happens when your vegetables are on the ground and it starts to rain? Well, they rot. They're rot. They're ruined. Right. So, mm-hmm. so these people are literally as a cooperative savings and credit cooperative, they're pitching a quarter a piece, like 25, literally the equivalent of like 25 cents. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, within a month, when they've just put their little amount in, they've, they've managed to, uh, create enough money to where they could buy a tarp, a plastic tarp. Right. Uh-huh. Well, now, now <laughs> they have a tarp where they can put their goods on and they're going to last longer because they're not going to get wet from being on the ground. Right. Yeah. And then they, you know, and maybe it's, it's, my month to get a tarp, but next month is going to be someone else's and the month after that. And I just keep, you know, giving my 25 cents until everyone has a tarp, right? Well, now it's time to, to create a roof, just a simple roof over my tarp, right? So that it doesn't get rained on from the top, right? Uh-huh. So now I can sell my vegetables for three or four extra days before they go bad. And I now have a much greater income than I had before, right? Um, and these are such tiny increments, right, Andy? Um, but if you really truly believe, like I do, that you know, at the end of a year, the end of three years, the end of five years, the end of ten years, these same people are going to go from you know selling tomatoes um, to owning goats, <laughs> <laughs> um, and eventually having cows, and then maybe starting a hair salon. I mean, I, we're talking to people now who they're on their third and fourth business and, and they're, they're wow. not, just, they're not just there to, to make themselves rich. You know, they're, they're passing on the skills and, and the mm-hmm. beliefs and more than anything, um, the, uh, belief in one another that, Hey, you know what, let me tell you my story, you know, and, yeah. and, is what what God has done in my life, and how can I help you um, be successful in your own life, so that you can you can provide the money for your kids' schooling, right? The school fees, and and you can pay for your health care, right? So your kids can actually um, visit a hospital when they're sick, right? And and you can provide um, enough food um, for for your for your family as well as um, some of the other people in the community the widow down the street can now not go hungry because you're you're dropping off um produce Mm -hmm. on your way to the market for her Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and and a few of you have gathered together and you've built her a little grass hut because Mm -hmm. you know her other place was just in absolute decay um Mm -hmm. and and it's all because they they begin to believe that they have solutions that that sorry that they can be um they can become a catalyst for, for their own solutions and for what their community needs. And they can be, begin to rebuild and restore and renew those things that, that have been devastated from, for generations. Right. That's beautiful. Well, you know, I know you, you contextualize and you change it to a, a, a tree 
I forgot the name. I know the tree and I just drew a blank. What's the tree in Africa used? The acacia. Yeah. Acacia. That big, yeah. That but big one you, know, you know, you think about an, an oak tree, it produces acorns that yeah. can produce more oak trees. And so it's not just this tree and just them. It's, I like what you're saying is they become a catalyst. They, they start to not only do this work of repairing, but they're they they can reproduce themselves yes, and be a catalyst for others in the community. Yeah. Uh, you know. Oh my gosh. Can I tell one story about that? John and Elizabeth are both from Uganda. Well, actually Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth is an American, um, but John is from Uganda. He's a, he's a villager in a, from a remote village. And um, we met John and Elizabeth doing a training um, back in 2018. They came to our training and it was interesting. Usually we don't have, you know, a lot of Americans in our training, but it was great because John and Elizabeth are married. Um, you know, she's, she's lived in Africa now for, I think, probably five years now. And they have, um, they have two, two children now. Um, but they came together and then, uh, after the training, we, uh, they invited us to come out to where they live and, um, we visited their Bible school. So they, they're, they're missionaries. They have a Bible school there, um, mm -hmm. where they do a lot of biblical training for, uh, the, particularly the village that John comes from. Um, but while we were there, it was, it was pretty chaotic because John had been raising a few pigs and the pigs had just literally, you know, right before we got there, the pigs had gotten in and eaten all the turkeys that he had. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They literally got in and ate their turkeys. Right. And no pigs ate turkeys. Uh, yeah. Well, they'll eat just about anything. I think if you, if you let them. So, um, wow. So we, you know, we heard this and, and it was crazy just talking through all this. Yeah. Um, but then when we had a, you know, a few moments there, uh, Elizabeth started to share this and she said, and it was interesting because, because John was right there and I was a little bit, I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable for him, <laughs> but what she said, but this is what she said. She said, everything my husband tries to do, it fails. And it fails primarily because he, he has not had the kind of training that we just got. And, and he doesn't really think through the, the whole picture. Right. So, um, so from that time, he, he realized that he needed to start separating his animals and he needed to, to build strong fences <laughs> and, yeah, keep and those pigs I'll, in that pen. <laughs> right. Act, and, and don't allow the turkeys to wander off because they'll be eaten by the local dogs. Right. Yeah. Pigs don't get them. And they'll also get diseases from somebody else's free range turkeys. Right. So, um, so just that simple concept of building strong fences, um, and, and raising them intentionally. Right. Um, so that was, what was that three years ago? Mm -hmm. Um, just recently we spoke on the phone and Andy, they have 57 pigs now. Wow. And they have, dozens and dozens and dozens of turkeys <laughs> okay um but one of the things that they have done is is they've chosen to make an agreement with some of the villagers who are 
who are kind of in this place of despair and, yeah. you know, don't, don't know how to take care of, you know, their, their own families and, and the needs that they have. And so the, what they've done is they've started to, to create some training mm -hmm. for some of the other villagers. And with that training comes an agreement. And the agreement is this, they will give, um, someone who's been through the training, they will give them a pig. Okay. Hmm. And, and this pig, you know, this person will be required to raise, you know, based on the training that they got. And then they will help, you know, get this, this pig to have babies. Right. Yeah. Um, and then once it has babies, they, they will receive, I think two piglets back from, from that person. Right. So that's the, the way that that person pays them back. Oh, okay. So you but, got a pig, but you're paying it back with two piglets. Yeah, exactly. So well, it's not just, I gave you a gift of a pig, but you're, right. you're, it's a loan. Exactly. Yeah. And the payment is two piglets back to John and Elizabeth. Right. Um, and the other part of the agreement is that now they need to pay it forward to the, to the rest of the community. So they need to go train other people and they need to give, you know, Oh my gosh. Well. Mark, so this is amazing. It's incredible. It's an incredible. And again, Andy, it's, this is their idea. They came up with this and, and they've been doing okay, this. That's an asset. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. yeah. So it's well, that's so cool to see, you know, how he had a lot of, he had a lot of, I mean, he was trying to raise, but he just needed a little bit of training in that and how it's taken off that's amazing yeah oh my goodness yeah and that's the beauty too of of with this pandemic you know john's one of those guys that we we check in with and coach you know on a regular basis and just i mean oh my gosh last time we were, we were talking to him and and it was nighttime there but he had his his cell phone out in his camera and he was just wandering around the village he's like oh oh you need to meet martin here martin come over here. <laughs> Oh, hey, Martin was a drunkard and, you know, he, his, he was uh, probably going to have to be divorced from his wife and, you know, their marriage was done and the kids were, were, you know, were being neglected, et cetera, et cetera. And then I took him into, you know, the Bible school and, and now he's, you know, he's discipling others and I've taught him some of these principles, you know, that we've learned through, uh, through ELD and now he's, now he's building that and he brought me over to Martin's house and, you know, Martin had a grass hut right over there, but now he's got a brick and mortar, right? Home um, that he's built for his family and their marriage is strong. And he's starting a, he was uh, one of the guys that was starting a salon business. Right. And, you know, he had received a pig from, uh, from John and Elizabeth uh, a year prior, but now he was, he was giving out pigs and training to other people. And I, I mean, I just wanted to start crying, <laughs> you know, um, because I just saw right before my very eyes, very spontaneously, how God was, was using a catalyst like, like this, this gentleman, John, right from the village to empower and to, to train and to teach and to encourage, um, others within his community, even a, a man who was a drunkard in a sense. And, you know, according wow. to him, future, right. And, yeah. and yet God, um, in his, in his ultimate grace and sovereignty has, has done a, a mighty work. And I just, I just listened. I was just the recipient of that story in a sense. And it was beautiful. Yeah. 
What a redemptive, what a redemptive story. And that's, that's really the work you're doing. I mean, it's, it's a redemptive thing to in restorative of this holistic gospel. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm really, it's just an honor to kind of hear and to come alongside your work and just being able to share it with others and just to listen. And, Mm. uh, it's amazing. So how, if other members wanted to connect with you more on this or to learn more, you know, uh, for their own contacts or, or anything, what you, you'd mentioned maybe some books they could read or how would they connect <laughs> yeah. with you? Sure. Yeah, no, I think there's a, there's a few different ways. Um, you know, obviously I, I have a, a GSA email account, right. Um, and that's just mark.mealbrecht at global associates, you know, mm-hmm. .org. So they can contact me through email there. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's some, some helpful books. You, you mentioned dead aid that, that, um, do you, do you recall the author of that book? No, it's a lady from Zambia, right? Yeah. Yeah. Written by, a, by an African woman. Yes. She's an yeah. economist. I, I thought actually I could probably figure it out real quick, but go, keep talking and maybe I'll look it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that came to my mind. Um, right. As you said that I'm like, Oh, that's another uh, resource. And some of these other ones that have just really helped inform my journey on this, um, this whole thing is when helping hurts. I mean, that's something that a yeah. lot of heard about. Um, that's by Brian Fickert and Steve Corbett. Um, that's been really informative, um, just in how I approach, um, you know, development and, and poverty in general, um, toxic charity, you know, again, oh, yeah. um, so much to learn from that book, Robert D. Uh, Lupton, L-U-P-T-O-N. And another one that's really good is called The Poor Will Be Glad. Um, You know, kind of reminds me of the Isaiah Isaiah 61 theme, you know, but The Poor Will Be Glad. um, And that's by Peter Greer and Phil Smith. Um, The other way, um, Andy, you mentioned this briefly, but I've actually had uh, Daniel Emig, one one of our members, he he actually came to a training that that we had um, in in uh, Rwanda, and um, he he actually was connected with some people that he ministers with uh, in Rwanda, and and so they sent some delegates from their church to the training. So we had, you know, we had Westerners and we had um, folks from Rwanda uh, at that training. Um, if if anyone you know that that um, you know, that's a member of GSA that, that has uh, people on the ground, you know, in their, in their ministry context um, that, that happen to be in East Africa or would like to come to a training that we do there. Um, you know, we certainly welcome guests and they would be just, they would be part of the groups that we create. They would, they would go through the entire training themselves. Right. So that's another way I think that people can get connected and, and the people on the ground, like I said, that they have in some of these contexts and they don't necessarily have to be from Africa. I mean, this is, it's contextualized, obviously, for, for East Africa. But um, some of the, the principles, particularly the biblical principles that we share, um, are universal, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They they are. And there there's a lot of places I think around the world that that you know this model could be replicated. Thank you so much for Well, thank you Mark for uh, just sharing this and I know it's a real passion of yours and you know we've been talking a lot about our calling and I think it's real evident like you're you're called to be a catalyst mm. and you you can see that God has made you for that and God has really gifted you and you're you're an inspiring person mm. you have this gift of um of exhortation mm. in a way that it really inspires people. I know you, you do training and teaching, but I, 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 I sense that you, you, you're an exhorter mm. and that's how God is, is, is gifted you. And, um, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So I'm. Thanks for your kind words, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate, and I appreciate, you know, you get choked up a couple of times. That's a, that, that's a, another aspect about you. That's true. It's just, you, you have a tender heart and uh, mm. I, I really appreciate that. It comes, it comes from a, a place, a real place mm. of well, empathy and compassion. And Thanks. Yeah. Jesus was, Jesus was a man, you know, moved by compassion. Yes. So that's a, that's a, it's a good thing to be passionate and have compassion. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing, Mark. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Andy. This has been the Global Service Associates Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Andy McCullough. Our theme song is Lay It Down by Travis and the Ghost. We hope you catch all our episodes so that we can all better connect as members. Thank you.